Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Stephen Nill, CEO of CharityChannel.com. So, you want your charity to succeed. You came to the right place. Integration of online and offline techniques is the key to your successful fundraising, and practical advice on going green is what you need. With this show, The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart, you will learn from experts around the world who provide advice you can use. Our host is Ted Hart, one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. This year, he is celebrating 25 years in the nonprofit sector and the 10-year anniversary of his firm, TedHart.com. His books range from successful online fundraising to the use of social media and how to make your nonprofit green. His guests are leaders in their field who will share tips and trade secrets for nonprofit management, green strategy, and fundraising success. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, here's Ted. And good afternoon. This is Ted Hart, your host for The Nonprofit Coach, coming to you live from our nation's capital, where it is absolutely beautiful early summer day. Uh, And today marks the end of our first part of the year uh, sessions of The Nonprofit Coach. Uh, We will start next week on our summer hiatus. There will be uh, no live shows of The Nonprofit Coach in July and August. We will come back with a very exciting lineup in September, starting on September 6th. Now, don't forget, all podcasts of the 53-plus shows of The Nonprofit Coach are available to you always at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. You also can click, once you get there, on the iTunes button, add us to your iTunes, and take us to the beach with you. Uh, Here on The Nonprofit Coach, as always, uh, when we are here live on the show, we always start with Page One News. Page One News today, we want to start off by reminding you that you can call in today uh, when we get to our Page Two expert. You'll be able to dial in at 347-324-3080 to ask questions of our Page Two expert. Today, that is Mike Johansson, uh, who is professor at Rochester Institute of Technology and a global expert on social media. Make sure that you bring to us today all of your questions about how to use Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and social media. First up here on the Nonprofit Coach, as always, you can follow along with the radio links that are posted today at tedhart.com 
click on radio links. We're going to start off today uh, with a brand new Google tool that helps you manage your online reputation. This comes to us from uh, Social Access. You can read all about this uh, new service that is available uh, right now on Google. As you sign in uh, to Google, you're looking for me on the web. This tool, Me on the Web, appears as a section of the Google dashboard right beneath your account details. Now, admit it, at some point you have Googled yourself. We've all done it, and in this day and age where information moves at lightning fast speed, it does matter what your reputation is, what's being said about you and your organization. Check it out over at Me on the Web at Google Tools. Uh, and you can check that out at the radio links today at tedhart.com. Next story up here on the Nonprofit Coach, page one news, comes to us from the Chronicle of Philanthropy. Though costly, sports fundraising uh, uh, events are exploding in popularity. Fun runs, walkathons, and other athletic fundraising events uh, proliferate, and this uh, is a story that comes to us uh, also with the Wall Street Journal. Now, the annual Cancer Society's Relay for Life brings in more than $400 million uh, per year, and of course, a very strong component for any of these fundraising events are online registration. Uh, putting some of these events that eats up, although some of these events eat up uh, 47% to 50% of their proceeds, I want to take this opportunity to remind you of our advice for all charitable organizations when it comes to special events. Special events should only be partly uh, fundraisers. Uh, in other words, for a special event to truly be successful, you do need to take into account all expenditures, including the time of volunteers and time of staff. Oftentimes, charitable organizations do not take those costs into account, and therefore, special events that look like they might be making money, in fact, don't. What you need to take into consideration is the PR value of your special event and the donor relations value of your special events. I am not against special events, but I think they have their place. Uh, if they are the number one most important thing that you do for fundraising, you are missing the boat when it comes to other activities that you could be doing online and offline, and in particular in the use of volunteer time, uh, do you have a well-oiled major gift approach. So make sure that you are uh, building a mature fundraising program and not just simply following special event dollars that tend to be some of the most expensive dollars to get in the fundraising world. Next up here in the radio links today, you will find from Mashable, one of our favorite websites, uh, they are announcing that Twitter is now automating uh, link shortages or shortening uh, for its web application. You can read all about this, but Twitter um, just a few days ago announced that links shared on Twitter.com will automatically be shortened using the company's t.co URL shortener. Of course, those of you who are familiar with Twitter know that anything that you can do to shorten a link and take less space allows you to say even more in the 140 characters allowed in Twitter. Read all about it in the radio links today at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. Now back to uh, special events. And the reason that special events are so much on my mind today uh, is one of the activities that I participate in on a monthly basis is I have a client in New York uh, who makes available what we call Open Call Mondays. Uh, for their charitable organizations around the country, I am available to them for phone consultation. 
They can call in and ask any question on any topic, seeking to add efficiency to both their management and fundraising activities. Very happy to do this, a wonderful client, uh, but in yesterday's Open Call Monday, special events came up in a great, de uh, great deal of the questions. Now, that's not surprising because coming into warm weather, uh, we too tend to look to special events. So one of the other uh, links that we have for you today is also from the Chronicle of Philanthropy, uh, and this is a step-by-step -step article, a uh, really terrific, well-written article by Raymond Flandes on how to attract special event sponsors. Uh, and that was a big topic yesterday, so I want to make sure that uh, those who are joining us here on the Nonprofit Coach today, interested in making their special events uh, even more successful, are getting all the best advice that I can give them. Now, recognize that sponsorship may be a business decision, not a philanthropic one, uh, will also help your organization advance its special events interest uh, in special events or in uh, uh, sponsorship. Uh, next up here on the Nonprofit Coach is just as we're looking to summer, uh, sometimes we look for some uh, guilty pleasures. Uh, and over on Mashable, one of the announcements that was just made a few days ago is that Angry Birds, the app Angry Birds, has hit 1 million downloads uh, per day. Now, if you haven't checked this out, read all about it today uh, in the radio links, but Angry Birds is a whole lot of fun, uh, a, a free app that you can download uh, to your smartphone, uh, whether it's Android or iPhone. Uh, and over the summer, out of the beach, you may want to have a little bit of fun. Angry Birds can add a lot of enjoyment uh, to a rainy day. Next up here on the Nonprofit Coach comes to us from Search Engine Land. Uh, Search Engine Land is sharing with us uh, a very interesting uh, study uh, from the Pew Internet and American Life Project. Um, and what they're pointing out is a portrait of who uses social networks in the U.S. and how social media is affecting our lives. Now, for a lot of uh, you out there, part of your job is to help your bosses, your board of directors, and others understand how fundraising is done online and who's using what websites. Uh, well, what's not going to surprise you uh, is the depth of social media across this country. Uh, which social media sites are being used more than others? Uh, what will be interesting to you uh, is that by gender, uh, LinkedIn, uh, not surprisingly or maybe surprisingly, uh, soars ahead with males uh, and uh, Twitter uh, soars ahead with females. Uh, so read all about it over in the radio links today. Get your details and your stats correct uh, by reading about it at tedhart.com. You're looking for the article today from Search Engine Land, a portrait of who uses social networks in the U.S. and how social media affects our lives. I'm sure we'll hear more about these details as we talk to our page two expert. Now, preparing for page two today, don't forget you will have the opportunity uh, to call in and ask questions of Mike Johansson, who is a social media expert. Uh, it's my pleasure now uh, to, uh, to bring a good friend here uh, on the, uh, the nonprofit coach. Uh, I want to, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to welcome here Kate Sloniker, uh, who is coming to us live from Seedvent. Now, those of you who were with us last week know that uh, uh, we were running into some technical difficulties in getting Kate here live on the Nonprofit Coach. And what we want to do is make sure that you have an opportunity to hear from Kate about Event Marketing 2.0. We've provided the link to you over in the radio links today, and this is all about how to boost attendance through social media. Uh, Kate, are you with us? 
Hi, Ted. Thanks for having me. Wow, it worked. Kate, you are here live. It is terrific to have you here uh, coming to us from Cvent. I'm very, very impressed, as I shared with my listeners uh, last week, uh, with this new ebook that Cvent is allowing charitable organizations to download for free. Now, we've provided a link to our, uh, for our listeners here today, uh, but since we've got you live, I'd like you to walk us through and give us the highlights. But let's start off with who is Cvent? Sure. Um, Cvent is an online registration event management company. So our software does everything from send invitations, create event websites, run reports, all to streamline the meeting planning process. Um, we also have a tool set that helps meeting and event planners uh, source their next meeting. So to find where they're going to host their next event, whether that be a hotel or a restaurant or special event venue, uh, we have a free system that helps uh, meeting and event planners find the perfect spot. Well, that's terrific. And as you heard um, earlier here on uh, the Nonprofit Coach, under page one news, we really are covering a lot about special events today. Uh, that's not surprising because while the Internet is uh, prolific, it is still a people-to-people -people endeavor. So what makes this ebook worth the read for our listeners? Well, we're particularly excited about this ebook because it's a, a first in a series about social media marketing for events, um, and that's something that's, you know, event marketing is near and dear to our hearts. We have a event, uh, you know, event marketing arm of our software, so it's you know pretty core to our business and something that we we use quite heavily to promote our events. Um, so the ebook basically gives meeting and event planners a way to build the social infrastructure uh, for their events, just showing how Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and YouTube can, you know, help you broaden awareness for your event, drive registration for your event, and boost attendance all using these free social media channels. And that, that's really key is the, the interaction between all of these services. Isn't that correct? That's right. I think, you know, part of, part of the detail that we go into is, you know, how to figure out what is the best platform to use, you know, how to identify where your audience is interacting, how to create that, you know, two-way communication with your, with your audience so you can, you know, get them to do some viral marketing on behalf of your fundraiser, charity, or event. Now, from your perspective in terms of the events that, that you run, uh, is there uh, a hierarchy to the use of social media? Uh, or is it specific to an organization? I think it's really specific to the organization and to the product or cause that you're trying to promote. Um, people are, you know, there are millions and millions on these social networks. It's just a matter of where where they reside and how they're behaving. So, you know, LinkedIn groups is fantastic for us because we see a lot of business-to-business uh, -business discussions there. Um, I think for fundraisers and charities, Facebook is an extremely vibrant community, and we see a lot, of, uh, a lot of traction on there, certainly for our B2B events, but also for our customers, uh, fundraisers, and charities. Yeah, here on the Nonprofit Coach, um, the hierarchy that we provide is, of course, starting off with a well-designed uh, website full of unique content, easy to navigate, 
Uh, second uh, is a service uh, known as GuideStar and making sure that you have a strong Internet presence uh, on GuideStar. And then from there, the first social media uh, service that we really um, suggest that charities be active on is LinkedIn, then Twitter, then Facebook. But it really is the interaction of all of those. And I found it quite interesting in your, your ebook uh, the extent to which you feel that YouTube is a serious player for charities. Yes, I think YouTube people are, you know, starving for for interesting media. I think you'll see a lot more infographics and, you know, rich media like videos being used in event marketing. Um, that's why we think YouTube is such a strong channel. There's so much noise out there, and, and video really gives you the opportunity to do something creative and to stand out. And it doesn't always have to be something that's, you know, extremely polished and, and professional and expensive. Um, you know, you see viral YouTube videos that, you know, are created with a flip cam, for example. Now, you mentioned that this book is part of a series. Tell us what you have planned, and I'm uh, hoping that you'll come back here on the Nonprofit Coach to uh, share with us the good news of future releases. Oh, we certainly will. We'd love to. Tell us what's planned for the rest of your series. Oh, the, the plan, uh, the next one is going to be a content marketing-focused uh, ebook, talking about how you can build content around your event, uh, distribute that content before, during, and after to really engage your uh, attendees and potential registrants and, and future attendees. This is very important work. It's in an easy-to-digest way for charities to understand these concepts. Very timely for our Page 2 expert today. I want to thank you, Kate, for coming here on The Nonprofit Coach, uh, letting all of our listeners know how they can access this ebook. And today they'll be able to download that at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. Kate Sloniger from Cvent, we look forward to having you back here on The Nonprofit Coach real soon. Have a great summer. Thanks, Ted. You too. Great. Next, uh, here on the Nonprofit Coach, uh, we continue with Page One News. The next uh, story here from Page One News comes to us from Philanthropic. Uh, sorry about that. And that's really from the Foundation Center. And now, in all of your stories for social media, and you'll certainly hear about this uh, from our Page uh, Two expert today, uh, is the need to find stories, to tell stories, to share the narrative of the life of your charitable organization. Uh, what's important here is the step-by-step -step seven tips that are being shared with you from the Foundation Center today. Find that over in the radio links today at tedhart.com. Now, just a reminder, as we start uh, moving towards the end of uh, the page one news and moving on to uh, page two, is that you can join us over in the chat room. Uh, we've got a good number of people over in the chat room. You can ask questions there. You also can email questions to me today at tedhart.com at tedhart.com. Don't forget, we really prefer that you consider calling in and asking a question yourself at 347-324-3080. That will put you into the switchboard. Press the number one. That will raise your hand on the switchboard and let me know that you'd like to ask a question. Next up here on page one news comes to us from Fast Company. This is just a reminder. We've mentioned this before, uh, but now that we're going into the summer, hopefully your schedule will slow down a little bit, and perhaps this provides you an opportunity uh, to sign up for the new services for nonprofit organizations offered by Google. Google has announced a new program for nonprofit organizations. You can read all about that over in the radio links today at tedhart at tedhart.com. 
Next up here on the Nonprofit Coach, I want to draw attention uh, again to the uh, jobs that are available and hoping to uh, help find good candidates uh, for the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. They are currently in Washington, D.C., looking for a resource development manager. Uh, they are also looking for a program development coordinator uh, who will serve as a grant writer. So if you're interested, looking for a new position, looking for a new opportunity, uh, you can read all about this in the sponsor messages uh, at, at the radio links at tedhart.com. Now today, over in the radio links, you'll find that our sponsor messages are highlighted in yellow for easy finding. One of those is from the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, and we thank them for their sponsorship today of the Nonprofit Coach. Next up here on the Nonprofit Coach, page one news comes to us from Marketing Sherpa, again, one of our very favorite websites, and they are bringing us very important advice that we've shared so many times here on the Nonprofit Coach. Nice to have it uh, well laid out here. Adam Sutton has done a very nice job that uh, when renting third-party lists, it is one of the worst tactics that you can use. Uh, again, we want to encourage charitable organizations uh, to be growing their own email list using people-to-people -people strategy uh, for their uh, current supporters and, and uh, donors to reach out to those who are not in their database and encourage them through the charity's inspiration to join them online. But also, renting a list is a very bad way. It will often get you caught up in being seen as spam. If you're going to work with a third party, it should be that third party introducing their own supporters, those on their email list, uh, to your service as opposed to you utilizing email lists that were not opted in specifically for your organization. Here on the Nonprofit Coach, we always uh, try to keep you abreast of what's happening at the IRS. So for all of our U.S.-based uh, listeners today, uh, those of you who uh, listen here on the Nonprofit Coach, know that the Form 990 was extensively redesigned in 2008 to promote tax compliance and increase transparency. Now, as I go around uh, the country uh, and share information about the new 990, which is not so new, uh, that uh, uh, a lot of folks are really unaware of these changes, uh, even though your organization has likely filed a 990 utilizing the new forms for at least the last couple of years. Well, once again, uh, the, the IRS 990 uh, is seeking public comment uh, to make the form even easier to understand and more complete. Those comments are due uh, to the IRS by August 1st. They can be sent in electronically uh, utilizing Form 990 revision at irs.gov. All the details, the deadlines, and contact information uh, is available in the radio links today at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. Now, if you want to hand deliver your comments, uh, you can do that uh, in Washington, D.C., uh, between the hours of 8 a.m. and 4 p.m. And again, these details are available to you over in the radio links. Uh, at tedhart.com. With that, it's my pleasure to now bring us right up to page two. It's my 
my pleasure to welcome here to the Nonprofit Coach our page two expert. Mike Johansson is professor at Rochester Institute of Technology and a global social media expert. Growing up in New Zealand, surrounded by 60 million sheep, uh, Mike learned a thing or two about standing out in the crowd, human or the four-legged kind. He also learned that by simply following the flock and ending up not getting eaten. Now, this is from Mike. We'll let him uh, talk to you more about uh, his connection to sheep at being a Kiwi. Uh, his broad general knowledge means no one ever wants to play Trivial Pursuit with him, but it also means he enjoys connecting random thoughts uh, to solve solutions, big and small. In his current company, Fixitology, uh, which you will find a link to both Fixitology and to Mike Johansson's Twitter page uh, in the radio links today, Mike combines his passion for creative creativity with his natural social nature to help businesses understand and get into social media. Fixitology guides his clients through the idea uh, phase, the planning phase, and the implementation stages of social media strategy and can also help with social media monitoring and search engine optimization strategies. Now, certainly as we're looking to the summer, we're looking to events, we're looking to promote our organizations as we come out of summer uh, into the fall here in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, it is important to understand the central nature that social media uh, now plays for the success of charitable organizations. That's why today we welcome here to the Nonprofit Coach, Mike Johansson, our page two expert. Mike, welcome here to the Nonprofit Coach. Hey, thanks for having me. Mike, it's great to have you here, and of course you are uh, well uh, uh, positioned to be our expert today. Uh, the fantastic uh, uh, blog that you have, and we're providing a link for that today. But why don't we start off with uh, a little bit more information. Uh, I had, had uh, a little bit there about uh, uh, your, uh, your deep knowledge of sheep, uh, but tell us a little <laughs> bit about Mike Johansson. Uh, well, um my background was in uh, traditional media. I worked for newspaper companies for uh, a little over 25 years uh, before making the switch to teaching. And uh, I think that was kind of a natural switch for me. I worked on newspapers in New Zealand, Australia, br very briefly in Britain and here in the United States. Um, because I think the, the key to social media, and particularly the topic of the day, Twitter, is really about telling stories. And uh, I think any organization can use social media as a way to tell their story so I think my background as a journalist and a media manager uh, sort of puts me in pretty good, set me up pretty well for a, a career as I sort of transitioned to social media a few years back. And, of course, that, that telling the story is very important, and we shared that in page one news today, um, some, uh, some tips that come to us from the foundation uh, center today. Um, what do you look for when you're advising uh, organizations, both for-profit and non-profit, um, in the central nature of telling the story? Well, I think it really comes down to two things, to be successful. Um, one is you need to tell a story that people genuinely want to hear. Um, one of the things, one of the classes I teach here at RIT uh, is called Public Relations Writing, and Really, the challenge there is to, to get students to understand that anyone can tell a story. The real trick is telling a story that people will want to hear and want to share. Uh, and to do that, um, the, the second part of that is you really need to sound like a human being and you know, tell an interesting story. And it, it, it seems like such simple advice, but I can tell you that a lot of stuff that's out there that people are sharing, frankly, is just not interesting. 
and, and that's how you draw people together. So let, let's talk about, uh, I don't want to just focus on Twitter today, uh, but I do want to get very specific and very concrete for our listeners very quickly. How do you grow the number of followers that you have on Twitter? Well, it comes down to basically for me, I think it's a, it's a few things. It's, um, one is get, sharing interesting content. Uh, any, anyone on Twitter who's just talking about themselves hey, come to our event, or did you see our offer, or uh, we have a new charity auction coming up. Uh, anyone who just talks about themselves is like that person at a party that pretty soon finds themselves alone against the wall because no one wants to be near them. They won't stop talking about themselves. So be human. Um, you know, Absolutely talk about what you have going on, but also talk about the reasons behind it or share information um, you know, I work locally with a, a, an organization called the Pet Adoption Network. Um, for them, uh, the big thing is not just saying, hey, we've got pets here, we're a no-kill shelter. The big thing is talking a lot about the stories behind how some of these cats and dogs find their way to the shelter. Um, so for them, the combination of blogging about that and then using Twitter and Facebook to tell people, you know, here's an interesting story about a, a cat with one eye that's called Lucky. That kind of thing gets people's interest. And it's interesting to me, as uh, in, in this story I, I, I've told a few times. Um, last time that uh, I lectured in uh, in Australia, uh, they had a, uh, a barbecue uh, for us uh, the, the night before the uh, the conference. Uh, and this woman came up to me and uh, and she started talking about you know my lecture and and she knew a little bit about me and she she said you know that this this uh, whole Twitter thing tell me that uh, you, you didn't Twitter uh, when you got on the plane, which immediately I knew she w didn't know what she was talking about because, of course, that would be tweet. Um, but she, she immediately goes to, and I find so many people go to this, um, she said, you know, why would anybody care about those kind of details? Um, and what I try to explain to people is just what you said. It's more about the narrative over time, about opening yourself up and creating what I call a 360-degree person, as opposed to just the, the whitewashed, uh, you know, wordsmithed press releases and photos and not giving people sort of a, a sense that there is more of you than just the, the press release. And isn't that more of the demand of the Internet today than just the well-wordsmithed, everything's-perfect kind of approach? Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, um I like to tell people who get frustrated in their early days in Twitter that, well, all I'm seeing is people talking about what they had for lunch or they just got some deal at a store. Um, my advice to them is, really, you're following the wrong people. You're connecting with the wrong people. If, if, you, if you don't want to hear that kind of stuff from those people, don't follow them. I mean, it's really, it's, there's, there's no basic issue with the tool. It's usually the user of the tool that is having the problem. Um, and t I like to tell people that if, you could have such a thing. I'd call it the University of Twitter um, because if I had the time, and I don't, <laughs> to spend three or four hours a day doing nothing but reading all the useful stuff that comes from the people I follow on Twitter, I'd probably be the smartest guy on the planet. And that's, that's not an overstatement. There is so much good information out there. It's the new service of the 21st century right now, hands down. And you, you know, any organization really needs to be a part of that and connect in sort of a genuine way with people who... A, you might be interested in uh, what they have to say, but B, ultimately, you can also be there to listen. It's not all about talking, and I guess that's another aspect of social media that I really genuinely enjoy. It's 
a real conversation with real people. And then following people, and I think that's a very important point that you make, that uh, I think it's a, a, a fair statement that Twitter right now is the most important information resource of what's happening right now. And that's the very nature of that, and that by following the right people with content that matters to you, you are going to be much more in the know. So for charitable organizations, that might be following various foundations, corporations, high net worth individuals, uh, CEOs of, uh, of corporations, board members, uh, uh, key donors. Um, all of these things matter if you're going to build your, your fundraising based on relationships. Oh, absolutely. And, and uh, I, I see it here locally in, in Rochester, New York. Um, I follow some organizations that are, are charitable organizations. And the ones that strike me as being successful are the ones who, for example, because I follow someone, uh, one of these local uh, uh, community foundation here, on that account, someone had tweeted, the person on that account had tweeted out a message to someone, an app message that I happened to see because I was looking through the whole uh, tweet stream. Um, so sorry to hear about your loss. I went to that person's account. The person had, had lost a beloved pet. Now, it seems like a small thing, but if a charitable foundation is one of the people sending me condolences for the loss of a beloved pet, I have to believe that I'm going to think a lot better of that charitable foundation as, as a group of real caring individuals over time. And, and that's really the, the, the key here is, is for our listeners today to understand how this makes you more human and gives you an opportunity in very small bites, not press release, generally press release worthy, um, that it builds that digital trail of the human nature of your charity. Sure, and this might be a great point, time to point out that um, when you do set up a Twitter account as an organization, my personal recommendation is to try and avoid using your logos and avatar because that's intrinsically sort of not human looking, um, and to give a little detail about who's running the account, the name of the person. Um, again, <clears throat> because Twitter is so personal, it's better to say Mary Smith tweeting on behalf of XYZ Community Foundation than it is just to have this corporate-looking image. Um, I know from a branding perspective, some people like that, but frankly, I think it's far more personal and far more engaging to have a real person be the, the name and the face of the organization. And, and let, let's, let's talk a little bit about that, because that is a, that's a big issue for charitable organizations in terms of what's happening to branding uh, today versus even 10 years ago um, in this, this world of Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, is it now not becoming much more personal and is your CEO or other key executives now part of the brand as opposed to just the logo? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think human beings are intrinsically social creatures and when they have a chance to connect socially, with a person who, quote-unquote, is among the powerful, in other words, the leader of an organization, if they can actually have even a brief one-on-one -on -one conversation via Twitter with that person, that's a relationship that's going to last a very, very long time. Far more personal than that little postcard through the mail or flyer through the mail or a television advertisement saying, please donate to XYZ Charity. Um, it, it's an amazing thing that happens when, when you get you know, this conversation going. And, and again, because of the very uh, deliberate decision 
um, to follow someone, those who follow you are much more likely to be opting into that kind of information. Uh, but, but we do have a question over in the, the chat room today. Uh, Aaron uh, has asked me to uh, ask you a question about what is the best way to encourage uh, uh, hashtag word um, uh, to tip. I'm not quite sure what you mean there. I think the question here is, let's talk about the central nature of hashtags. And what I often share with people is hashtags is the real key and secret to the use of Twitter. Twitter by itself is fairly flat, and you're really only talking to a small audience. But it's hashtags that open you up to the world. How is that, and can you explain to us uh, how hashtags work? Sure. Um, when you put the hashtag, or as you might see on a telephone dial, a pound sign, ahead right before you start typing a word, that word can become a search term within Twitter. So uh, whatever industry you're in, whatever type of uh, charity you run, um, you know, it would be important to find out what the most uh, popular hashtags are in that particular sector. If you're a part of the United Way, for example, hashtag United Way is going to get that tweet found by people who, are who do a search on United Way. Um, so having hashtag United Way, for example, in a tweet that has something to do with United Way or something to do with about charitable giving or community giving makes that tweet searchable and, and findable both through Twitter and it increases the chance it will also be found in things like Google. So it's really sort of a win-win to use hashtags. The key is to use hashtags that are logical and already in, in extensive use. If you create your own hashtag, you have a bit of a hurdle to overcome because people might not necessarily know to look for that term. Right. I want to I want to come back to that because Aaron is actually over in the chat room has clarified his question, which I think uh, is is perhaps the direction that you were going in. But I want to back up just a little bit and help our listeners understand what has happened to Twitter in relationship to Google search, uh, because that that has really dramatically increased the audience as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, before Twitter and uh, even some Facebook uh, statuses were searchable by Google, they essentially existed in their own silo. Uh, now when you search on Twitter, you will get some Twitter results. Um, so again, using a hashtag just helps increase the chances of that happening. And to um, Aaron's uh, question, uh, to get other people to use a hashtag, the, the trick really is... The trick to that is using a hashtag that gets, gets attention and people think, oh, that works, and then get conversations going using it. Perhaps the quickest way to get a hashtag to take off uh, would be to start a, a Twitter chat, which opens up a whole, another whole arena that I'm not quite sure you want to get into the details of at this point. <laughs> Right, right. Well, but, but the, the central nature here is, and, and for instance, I'll, I'll just give an example. Uh, whenever we tweet about the show, whenever we, we uh, uh, tweet about our, our newsletter at p2pfundraising.org, we always make sure that we provide a short link to the actual information. Uh, but then, for instance, we'll say, um, you know, uh, for instance, today we, we just uh, uh, posted uh, that you are, you know, the guest on the nonprofit coach. Well, what we do is we put a hashtag in front of nonprofit uh, because what that does is anyone who doesn't follow us uh, or has never heard of us but is, in fact, following the hashtag nonprofit now will see that content even if they've never heard of us. 
Um, and so it expands that audience. And so thinking of those natural hashtags, but it also indicates to the reader uh, the emphasis that you want to place on that particular post. Absolutely, and that's, that's, that's uh, very concisely put. Far better than I could have done it, actually, Ted. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, we're a team here. We're here, a team here at the uh, at the the, uh, the nonprofit coach. But but the key to to that is, as you said, finding natural constituencies. Um, and what I encourage uh, folks to do um, is to actually, if you have an idea of of a, a hashtag and you're wondering if anybody's using it, uh, actually put that into uh, a a Twitter reader of some sort, like TweetDeck or. Uh, we use Hootsuite uh, extensively here, and start monitoring that and see who are the thought leaders using that hashtag uh, before you jump into the fray. Again, if you're going to be social, uh, the first thing to do is to learn the rules of the road. Absolutely, and, and you, the, the, it's a very good point. And the, and the first thing to do, obviously, is to listen before speaking. Um, and, and, that, and that's, you know, the hashtag helps with that. It also helps you find perhaps other people who can, in one way, shape, or form, help you and your organization. Exactly. And I think you know, to, uh, to Aaron's question, again, his clarification was how do you get uh, people to use it? Well, first of all, it's to take your own advice. Uh, and it, whenever you are talking about a particular topic, if you are consistently using uh, that hashtag, you're sending a signal to those who are following you that that's a hashtag that you feel is important. Uh, but also, the let's talk about and fill our, our listeners in here uh, to the central nature of retweeting. Oh, absolutely. Um, so what you hope for on Twitter is that something you've shared there will get retweeted or shared with other people's followers. This grows your audience exponentially. So, Absolutely. Uh, Aaron's yeah, just so, clarified again. Aaron, I wish you'd call in because you've got really good questions there. We'd love to hear your voice, but we'll go ahead and, and share this uh, uh, with, uh, with Mike right now. Um, and, and what he's asking for is just a, a clarification here, that, uh, which is a very good strategy here, Aaron. Uh, but, Mike, if you can just respond to this. What he's saying is, so just to clarify here, if you want to start a new hashtag and you pair that with other hashtags that are already being used and maybe are more popular, that's one way to introduce a new hashtag to that audience. Absolutely, and I can give you a concrete example of that. Um, a couple of years back, Deirdre Breckenridge, quite well known in public relations, started a chat for students of public relations called PR Stud Chat. To get that off the ground, she used the hashtag PRSA, which is the Public Relations Society of America, and also the hashtag, you know, hash PR stud chat. Putting those two things together got the word out that this thing was starting. Now PR stud chat is quite well established among students and uh, uh, lecturers and, and professors of public relations uh, at colleges. So, yes, uh, absolutely. Pairing is a great idea. The, the, the trick, of course, is you only have 140 characters. And another key to, to Twitter is to really limit uh, what, how much of that space you take. If you can get your tweet to 100 to 110 characters max, you greatly increase the chance of it being retweeted without anyone having to do anything to shorten it so that it can go back out. And, and that's where being creative. I, I had uh, a client, it was actually a for-profit client, uh, whose uh, Twitter address itself uh, was 15 characters. <laughs> Uh, and, and I said, you've really got to pare that down, and, and you've, you've got to find a way to use shorthand um, so that you actually have the opportunity to share a message. 
Um, so you want to start off with um, having a short handle, um, and one of the reasons for that is retweeting, that if people retweet you and you're filling up those characters with a retweet, they can't even express their interest in your topic. Absolutely, which is why Mike Johansson is not my Twitter handle because that's just far too long. Uh, so it's Mike's Fixes because of my company's Fixisology. Keep it short, uh, increase the chances of a retweet. Yeah, I was very fortunate. Ted Hart is uh, is not not a bad uh, Twitter. Uh, so uh, those of you who are listening today can uh, uh, follow Mike. Uh, his Twitter page is in the radio links today. Uh, and of course, you can always follow this show at Ted Hart on uh, Twitter. Now, what I want to do uh, now is we're going to take a, a little bit of uh, a break for a sponsor message. Uh, when we come back, what I'd like to uh, have you, Mike, uh, is talk about how these social media sites can work together some tips that you have for efficiency uh, in the utilization of social media. We'll be right back. Uh, here on uh, the Nonprofit Coach, we are so pleased uh, to have the opportunity to once again uh, welcome BlackBot as a sponsor of this show. Uh, do you want an easy-to-use solution to raise more money? Well, BlackBot can help. Uh, over in the radio links today, you'll find a link to uh, BlackBot's solutions. And today we're talking about BlackBot as the one solution from the world's leading provider of fundraising and CRM software for nonprofit organizations. With BlackBot, you can raise more money, both online and offline. And of course, as we talked about here on the Nonprofit Coach, integration is key with the help of their built-in fundraising best practices. They also will help you focus on your best donors. We need to be efficient in the work that we do as nonprofit organizations, and BlackBot now offers their newest innovation, the Giving Score. Also, make sure that you understand that in using BlackBot, you can connect directly with your supporters with the integration of their e-marketing and social media tools. It's a big topic here on the Nonprofit Coach, and so you can go directly to blackbot.com forward slash raise more money and find out how you can raise more money. Of course, today you can always follow along in the radio links. We've made that easy for you by highlighting it in yellow at Ted Hart at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. We're going to head right back to the show. Mike, as I, uh, we're back here uh, from the, uh, the break, and uh, again, thank you to BlackBot for being a sponsor here on the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, Mike, I often share with folks, uh, when you go to Twitter.com, and of course Twitter is trying to uh, work on this uh, problem themselves, it's fairly flat. It's uh, not terribly interesting. It's uh, lines and lines of information. Uh, but Twitter actually comes alive and starts, in my mind, becoming much more user-friendly uh, uh, in its data uh, if you use um, what I refer to as a, a Twitter reader, uh, something like TweetDeck or uh, Hootsuite. Uh, before we uh, talk specifically about those kinds of services and how they open up the world of Twitter uh, for charitable organizations, do you have a favorite? Uh, absolutely. I'm a, I'm a TweetDeck guy. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, I, I, I like the interface of, uh, of, of TweetDeck. I find uh, uh, Hootsuite, and of course, uh, as I've shared here on uh, on the Nonprofit Coach for my long-term listeners, uh, one of the reasons why I use Hootsuite is because uh, the guys over at Mashable use Hootsuite, and I figure uh, they're so smart, uh, I'll be smart if I uh, follow their their uh, their lead with the tools that are there. But why do things like TweetDeck and, uh, and Hootsuite matter, uh, or do they matter? Well, I think they matter uh, mostly from my perspective. If you think of Twitter as a, as a gigantic three-foot-wide pipe, and it's, it's pouring information at you, um, if you follow any number of people at all, it can be almost impossible to keep up with the incoming information. So I tend to organize the people I follow um, around key interest areas. So for me, uh, marketing, public relations, I, I teach some journalism classes. Uh, I'm obviously have a, a column, and I should explain that TweetDeck allows you to set up columns based on either people you put into lists or a hashtag search. I tend to organize people I follow into lists, and I tend to have columns for those specific lists. Um, my display, I'm pretty lucky I can get about six to seven columns across a pretty good-sized monitor. Even on a laptop, I can get four or maybe five. Um, so I can sort of... And that allows you to scan data... Um, yeah, as, exactly. as a, yeah. Uh, as opposed to having to necessarily read every single tweet, every single piece of information that comes in. Right. And, you know, I, I do keep an eye on the, the overall column. Um, and when I see that someone is tweeting stuff that's of specific interest, for, for example, on social media strategy, I will then add them to the list so they show up in the social media strategy column. And it's right. just it's an incredibly helpful thing. In fact, I believe uh, a statistic came out last year that for the first time more people were accessing Twitter, following Twitter, and contributing to Twitter on, than on platforms other than Twitter. Um, you know, mostly it's people who are fairly new to it or don't use it very much that are still primarily using Twitter as the way to get to that, um, uh, get to that platform. Absolutely, and, and I think that really is key. Now, are you familiar, uh, Mike, with, uh, with services like uh, Ping? Uh, .fm, do you follow that at all? I don't, but um, I presume you're talking about sites that sort of aggregate a whole bunch of presences. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Ping.fm is uh, the one that, that I'm a particular fan of uh, in allowing you to bring all of your social media sites together, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, as a matter of fact, they, they allow you to bring together 40 different social media sites uh, with one post, and you can post uh, either via SMS uh, or uh, via um, uh, a web post. Um, so do you have other favorites? And let's talk a little bit about why that strategy becomes a, a central part to making all of this efficient as opposed to uh, just a time, uh, time crunch. Well, on my tweet deck, I also have connected my LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, and Foursquare accounts. So that allows me, if, if, if the content is appropriate, to share on other platforms other than Twitter. Um, I think that's kind of important sometimes. I caution people not to do it too much. If people are following you on multiple platforms and they see that you're sending everything everywhere, they'll quickly want to turn you off because it's just too much. So you need to be sort of strategic and careful about using that. Um, I think it's important to, uh, to a successful social media uh, uh, strategy, isn't it? I mean, in terms of deciding 
where you should be in the hierarchy. Do you have recommendations? Uh, here on the Nonprofit Coach, uh, we recommend uh, for online success, you start off with, even before you think about social media, uh, having a well-designed website, easy to navigate with unique content. Uh, there's a service in the nonprofit sector, which we rank very highly, called GuideStar, uh, which has online applications that we feel are important to connecting with foundations, corporations, and high net worth individuals. When we get into the social media uh, realm, we actually rank LinkedIn as the most important uh, uh, social media strategy right now for charities, and the reason for that is the demographic of high net worth individuals, foundations, and corporate executives who are likely to be there and the ability to research and reach out to them. When you think of social media, you've mentioned several today. How do you rank order them? Um, well, it, it depends on the purpose. And, you know, it's, <laughs> I hate to sound wishy-washy, but it really does depend on the purpose. I'd absolutely agree that for, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, not-for-profits, I do some work with a local group called the Ad Council, and they, uh, they have roundtables for not-for-profits, so I'm familiar with, with that space. I absolutely agree that LinkedIn is, uh, would, be, would be number one. And then depending on how you want to use it, I would rank Facebook number two. Uh, if you want to use it as a way to get people to set a space where people interested in your cause or, and or your organization can become a community, Facebook might be the way to go. And then Twitter number three, um, and then sort of depending on what else you use. But I also rank blogs very highly, um, especially where blogs are open and transparent and anyone can comment. Uh, blogs are such a great way to tell a story. Um, if they're part of your web, any of the free tools, Blogger or WordPress, so on, will allow you to incorporate that blog into your website. Um, and then the, the, the big gorilla in the room, if you like, really is search engine optimization. By doing all of these things well, or even just a good chunk of them, you will rise up naturally in search. And uh, in this day and age, uh, as you've probably told your audience many, many times, if you're not found in a, in a Google or other uh, web search, you really don't exist. Yeah, and, and it's so easy to become invisible um, without even knowing it. Absolutely. Um, how how, we how earlier, would you um, characterize that, uh, um, the the, uh, uh, the use of Twitter as sort of the central um, deliverance of information about a charitable organization? Well, it is, but it, it, it just can't be the only focus. It really needs to also be about listening and having genuine conversations. You were talking earlier about me on the web, and you know, come on, let's let's admit we've all uh, we've all searched ourselves uh, on, on Google once in a while. Frankly, we should we all should be doing this on a fairly regular basis, at least monthly. Uh, you should search your organization's name. You should see what shows up when someone searches for your organization. Um, and if you want to rise up an organic or natural search. It's incredibly important that you have presences across the social platforms and that you're using keyword phrases that are connected to your organization on all of those platforms. So if you search for my name, for example, you'll find that I sort of dominate page one of Google. And that's not a mistake. That's because I tie my name to the phrase social media strategy to my website. And you'll find phrases like social media, social media strategy, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn on all my web presences. And that helps Google understand that that's what I'm really interested in. It helps me rise up. And I think uh, a lot of charitable organizations could actually do themselves a lot of good by investing or finding, a, finding someone who can spend a little time figuring out what keywords they really want to be associated with 
and finding ways to use those across all the social media platforms. Isn't that one of the most important pieces of advice that you can give to our listeners today uh, is to get focused, um, that, that this is not, you know, one of the things I always try to help my clients understand is that this is not a world where 670 or 700 million people on Facebook are going to care about you, but that there is an audience and you need to define that audience and make sure that you are central to the information they need. Absolutely, and the great thing about social media is it has exponentially grown your potential audience beyond your wildest dreams. Once upon a time, your audience was limited to either people geographically somehow connected with your organization or interest-wise somehow connected with your organization via mailings, advertising, even email, back in the days of just using email as a marketing tool. Um, through social media, your audience exponentially has grown by tens, if not hundreds of thousands. And really, the trick is being found. So to sort of tie it all together, you know, we're talking about hashtags and Twitter. We're talking about using keywords on all your social media presences. Uh, we're also talking about um, when people do find you, what will they find? And, and that's where the focus really needs to be. Will they find a Twitter account? that was active for a few weeks and then went dormant? Will they find a Facebook page that had some updates all about the organization and then went dormant or only ever talks about what's going on in the organization, doesn't engage people in conversation? So many of the executive directors, CEOs, and board presidents of charitable organizations want instant gratification uh, that, uh, you know, if I, I Facebook, therefore I fundraise. Uh, you know, where's the money? Um, why is that not likely to be the case if you engage in this uh, in this process? Well, because it's, it's somewhat inherently antisocial. And the best example I can give you is if you were at a cocktail party and someone walked up, gave you their business card, and the first words out of their mouth were, I'm the CEO of XYZ Community Foundation, and I would love you to give me some money. How well would that conversation go after that? <laughs> you know, and that's really- essentially what you are doing. Uh, yeah. When you, uh, uh, when the first thing that you do when someone says that they like you on Facebook or follow you on on Twitter or even just give you their email address, you immediately jump to their their checkbook uh, as opposed to thinking that as an invitation to start a relationship. Sure, and I, the, the wonderful thing about nonprofits, which I've seen in some of the roundtables I've sat in on, is that. The ones, I think, who are successful are the ones who, even before social media, were basically doing what I suggest, which is tell your story. Talk about what your needs are, not in a sort of cap-in-hand begging kind of way, but tell genuine human stories. Uh, you know, For example, in Rochester, the number of people sleeping on the street in winter um, sort of spikes for the few weeks leading up to Thanksgiving when people start opening their checkbooks and putting more money to open temporary shelters and so on and so on. Those are stories that, you know, you can find individuals who have stories to tell, share them, and then let people make the decision for themselves whether they will or will not give. So it's really about telling the story. Uh, Mike, I want to thank you for being with us here on The Nonprofit Coach. Uh, Before we get to the final moments of the show, I do want to uh, remind our listeners that uh, next week we start our summer hiatus. 
uh, and uh, we uh, look forward to joining, having you all join us right back here on the Nonprofit Coach starting again in September. We just have a couple minutes left here on the Nonprofit Coach before we go into our summer hiatus. Uh, Mike, tell our listeners how they can reach you in addition to the links we've provided in the radio links today. Well, at uh, fixitology.com, there is a link, uh, contact us link uh, right there. You can follow me on uh, Facebook. Uh, I'm Mike J N Y for New York. Um, uh, you can connect with me via Twitter, obviously, at the at sign, Mike, M-I-K-E-F-I-X-S, Mike Fixes. Um, and that's pretty much it. There's, any of those places will do just fine. Um, I'm always happy to help people as time permits. And I just hope that sometimes when I'm a little busy, people are understanding if there's a slight delay in me getting back to you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mike Johansson, for being our guest here on The Nonprofit Coach. Our next show of The Nonprofit Coach, uh, we will be right back here in September, on September 6th with Marjorie Sharp, who will be speaking to us about governing with soul. Everyone have a wonderful summer. Don't forget all of our shows, including this show, will be available free via podcast and download from iTunes throughout the summer. A great Take care, everyone. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.